What's up? Today is Sunday, November 8th, 2020. Man, what a freaking week. What a week. Not yet, though. We'll get into that. This is still the intro. I need to slow things down, remind myself there's time for that later. You have tuned in to the Life in Paradise podcast with your host, me, Brandon Harper. But you didn't think I could go that long, did you? I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and regular dogs and a regular life with lots of opinions. And I come here to spew them because, you know, no one likes a guy who just walks around and gives his opinions all day throughout his life. So while I may occasionally do that, I save them up till Sunday and I put them all here on record forever in hopes that one day... People who didn't know me will get to know me. I have a lot of opinions about a lot of stuff. Recently, it's all been about politics. So, sit back, relax, and hand me to the pull start of the lawnmower for about the next 30 or 45 minutes. Lately, I've been feeling kind of low. And she looked back over her shoulder. Pointed at the sign hanging up on the wall It say everything's gonna be alright Everything's gonna be alright And nobody's gotta worry about nothing Don't go hitting that panic button It ain't worth spilling your drink Everything's gonna be that's a wrap. The election is over. For now, anyways. What a stressful week. You know, I'm bummed out. I'm not bummed out because I like Trump or because I was part of the Trump nation. I didn't have some passionate love affair for Trump. I just like the fact that he was steering the country towards the right. But here we are. The election's been called. Trump's not accepting it. No surprise. He claims he's been cheated on. Biden claims he won fair and square. Here's the deal. You know, I don't put cheating past anyone at that level. There's big money in politics. People are motivated for different reasons. And while I would like to think that conservatives having more of a uh, faith-based moral system or, you know, they're typically guided more by religion, uh, it would be nice to say that I don't think that they participate in this type of stuff. But if I had to bet, I'd say they probably do as well. Regardless, it's too early to say whether or not cheating has taken place. And this is what really bothers me about these news stories that come out and how fast these news cycles are. It's the same thing that happens when a cop happens to shoot an unarmed robber. And it's even worse if it's a white cop and a black robber. 
people automatically scream, he was innocent, it was racism. And then there's always more details that come out. Always more details. There's, there's oftentimes the whole story has been fabricated and misconstrued and twisted by the time it makes it out to the public. And so my whole point is like, we cannot say, yep, they probably cheated or nope, there's no cheating going on. Nobody knows. We'd like to think there was no cheating. Remember how hard they went against Trump for Russian collusion, saying that the only reason he won the election because he cheated with Russia? I mean, how long did that go on? You guys think this Trump thing's going to end soon? You think it's going to end when Biden gets sworn in? Nope. He's got deep pockets. A lot of people owe him a lot of favors. And he is going to keep grinding on this deal. I don't know where it's going to end up. Uh, I suspect... It'll just kind of come to a standstill. He'll build a nice little following, and he will run again in 24, would be my prediction. But I'm here to say I was wrong. I predicted wrong. I aired too much confidence. And, you know, this is all, <laughs> this is all contingent upon the fact that there has been no cheating found. I did, however, talk to my friend Wojtek, who's from Poland, and he has two Polish friends that live in Nevada, Las Vegas specifically. And um, he said that they received ballots in the mail. They're, they are non-U.S. citizens. They have green cards. They are here to work, and that's it. There's three of them, a guy, his wife, and their brother-in-law, one of their brothers. And he said they got ballots in the mail, had their names on them. All they had to do was fill them out stick them back in the mailbox. That's all I know. Who knows? Who knows? I'm just saying, if that's the case... We need to restructure the way that we manage our elections. COVID, not COVID, it does not matter. Federal elections should be held to a federal standard, and there should be the same rules across every state. The state should conduct the elections, but it should be to the rules of the federal government. Why this has never happened is beyond me. I know people will say, well, we've never had a problem with it before. We've never had COVID. Okay, we have now. Let's fix it. Let's change it. Let's make it foolproof. For both sides, that way no one can cheat. I feel like the the dad who whose two siblings are down there playing a board game, and one of them saying he's cheating, and the other one saying no, you're cheating. And then you know what the parent would say, guys, if you both don't shut up and stop cheating, I'm taking away the game. So that's what's going to happen. We're going to end up being a third world country where everyone just cheats. The left side thinks the right cheats. The right side thinks the left cheats. So everyone just cheats. I'm not for that. So we get this situation straightened out. Even if we were wrong and no one cheated, you should be able to look at the situation and admit how it might have happened or it could have happened. And if you disagree with that, then we just have to disagree. But to me, the sanctity of our elections is what sets us apart from a lot of the world. And I mentioned it before. I would rather lose fair and square to Joe Biden than I would win by cheating. It's that important to me. I know there's people out there that see it differently, and I think we should get rid of them. But I admit it, my predictions were wrong. And you know what? I hope I am wrong for the next four years. I have things kind of laid out in my mind on what's going to happen. No, I'm not terrified. No, I'm not considering leaving the country. I'm going to touch a little bit on that again later. And I hope I'm dead wrong, because I tell you what, I mean, I will get crafty with my taxes. And as long as no one gets in the way of me running my business or taking away any of my freedoms, 
I'll be fine. I'll recover. If you want to take away my guns, you're not getting them. I will not give them up. I often ask people who advocate for, you know, these strict gun control laws. Like if you, if someone came and took all the guns away, would you give yours up? And they're like, yes, of course. And I always ask them, well, why don't you give it up right now? And they say, well, because everyone else has them. And then I say, so let's just say they do a national gun give up. You have to give your guns away. You're confident that you think the bad guys are going to turn their guns in? Uh, well, no. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, it's not, it should be, it should be more, we just, it should be harder. I mean, we have to stop school shootings. <laughs> That's where that conversation normally goes. Because if you follow it through the logical pattern, it ends at a dead end, right? Okay, we're not talking about guns. Well, we are kind of, we're talking about rights a little bit. But either way, they call for guns to be given up. They're not getting mine. I don't care if it's illegal. It does not matter to me. I don't think they'll go to that extreme. I think that there will be some gun control put in place. I think we'll see absolutely zero change in statistics. And then I think there'll be more gun control put in place. And then we'll see no change in statistics. And you can see how that pattern plays out. So I'd mentioned before that I had some money writing on the election. And it was through a site called Predict It, which is hosted in New Zealand. But it's legal for U.S. to bet on it. And it's set up like a futures market. So you buy a share of, of an event, of, 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 uh, of a futures ticket, a contract, basically. And you're betting that you think something will come true or become false. And at the time of that event, the contract becomes worth $1. And the, the price fluctuates. It's just like the commodities in futures market. Whenever things there's abundance of supply, what does the price do? What does the price do when there's a high supply and demand doesn't change? The price goes down. So this is kind of the same way. The outcome of the election starts affecting the price of these options because you can sell at any time. So in my particular case, I bought one contract, well, more than one, but like $500 worth, which is technically 500 contracts, of Trump to win. And so as the election gets nearer, the likelihood of Trump winning it becomes obvious whether or not he's going to win or not going to win, or it starts to change a little bit. And so people start selling when they see the price dropping, then they know that, okay, something's happened and he's not likely to win. So they start selling off to recover their losses. Well, if the price starts going up towards a dollar, then people can decide to sell cash out, take their profits or buy in and hang on to it in hopes that the price will keep going up. So anyway, it's uh, it's limited by the U S that you can only bet $850 or up to $850 on one event. And so they got kind of crafty with the way that they structured it. So you can buy contracts saying that Trump will be the next president or Trump won't be the next president. So I ended up taking, I think 500 that Trump would be the next president. And then since I knew I was going to be capped at 850, I did another 500 that said Biden will not be the president. So technically those are two different contracts. In reality, they're the same thing. Of course, I was sitting there on election night watching the results come in and predict it. The website just crashed. I mean, you couldn't even get there. The screen was just white. And so I wanted to see what the prices were doing, how they were moving, because that that uh, that site predicted with the gambling was far more accurate than any polls were. And so it's amazing how that works. But I think polls are gone and I think gambling sites are going to be the new polls. Could be some problems with that, you know. There could be some uh, 
influence things going on there, people buying and selling to influence the market to give a false hope one way or another. But that can also happen in polling. But my point was, you know, I mentioned a few times that I had some money writing on it, but it was, so it was $1,000 total. Probably too much for a guy who doesn't make hardly any money on his business. <laughs> but I felt good about it, and I used some money that I had from, uh, from my Bitcoin earnings. And needless to say, you know, there was, it was headed down. It was going towards zero. I think it was like Wednesday afternoon that I saw that I could cash out and be down overall 450 bucks instead of 1000 because there was still some value left to Trump's ticket. In fact, there still is. I think it's right at $0.10 cents right now. So according to all the gamblers, it's not over. Um, so I got out down 420 whatever dollars. It sucked. You know, I really wanted Trump to win, not because I like Trump, but because I like the policy that he put into place for the country. So that's that. I mean, the good thing is, hey, no looting, no rioting, which I find to be remarkable and rather funny that all these people went and boarded up their stuff. Had Trump lost, it would have been a good thing. And without going into detail, I don't think I really need to. Like, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? It tells you that Republicans don't riot, loot, burn, and destroy. That's it. That's what it tells you. And speaking of burning, for whatever reason... Recently, I've finally started to discover, I don't want to say started to discover, but as of late, I've understood why it's important that fries be eaten scalding hot. And I know what you're thinking. What? Why would you? Like, yeah, duh. Everyone knows that. Well, time out. I have not eaten much fast food. I never have. It's never been my thing. Recently, I have been eating a little bit more fast food, maybe Zero to two times per week. And that's because I'm so busy, I don't have time to cook, and I don't want to mess with frozen food. I want to just go home and eat and be done with it. So every now and then, I'll stop, grab some food. And used to, it wouldn't matter to me how long. I would grab it, throw it in the oven, let it sit there, and just eat it later whenever I got hungry. But I don't know what's changed, but I almost don't even want french fries if they're not piping hot. And I was thinking, that got me thinking like, does Donald Trump or people like that, do they, I mean, he doesn't drive to McDonald's. He probably doesn't even ride in the back seat. Probably has someone get McDonald's and it's waiting for him wherever he goes or the next place that he's stopping. And I'm thinking, man, that's a, that's, that's a treat that someone misses out on, especially, <laughs> especially someone like Trump who claims to love McDonald's. But I'm like, man, that's a, that's the price that you got to pay to be that, I don't know, famous or he's that far removed from from normalcy, that that poor old man, he probably doesn't know what piping hot fries taste like. But then again, he may have some specialized fry warmer made in Italy, only designed to reheat the fries from McDonald's. I will say, my favorite fries are the Chick-fil-A waffle fries. And that's because I really like the ratio of fluffy inside potato to outside crispy potato. I think it's funny. I don't know if I, I'm... I may or may not have mentioned it on here, but I think that if fast food were invented today, that we wouldn't make it. Like they're, they would go out of business, except maybe like Chick-fil-A. But if you brought Taco Bell into the world today and you put it in front of us, I don't think anyone would eat it. I think they would be grossed out. It's like Hamburger Helper. I remember when I was a kid, and my mom was a great cook. She always was. She cooked everything from scratch 
never cut corners. She'd come home after working 12 hours and make like homemade fried chicken. And so I, I came to appreciate good food and, and home cooking and, and that sort of thing. And I remember when I was about maybe nine, eight, something like that, she made hamburger helper. And I remember seeing the box on the counter thinking, why is she making hamburger helper? And I didn't want to say anything to her because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. Actually, I don't remember why I didn't say anything to her because I was only nine or something. But I remember not saying anything. And we sit down to eat and it's like macaroni elbows and like fine ground beef and like sauce. And I think it may have actually been a side dish. I don't even know if it was a whole meal. So we're sitting down, we're eating. And she always used to ask me about, you know, what do you think about it? Should we make it again? Do you like it? And luckily, it was just me and her. So, like, whenever we found something we liked, she kept making it. Or normally, we agreed that we didn't like something, and she would never make it again. So, I remember about a month or two before that, I think, she got a call from my art teacher in art class and and said, I don't remember what the complaint was, but I remember getting home, and my mom said, your teacher called today. My mom used to frustrate me. She always sided with the teachers. Oh, it used to make me so mad. Now, I appreciate it. But when I was a kid, I used to think, why can't my parent be one of those people that sides with me? She didn't. She would automatically side with the authority. And I remember coming home, and she goes, I got a call from your art teacher today. I was like, yeah? She goes, yeah, she feels like you're really not, you're not trying. You're not, you're not using all your creativity. And I was like, well, I don't really like art that much, Mom, so I don't try that hard. She's like, well, you need to try a little bit harder. You, you need to tr- put your effort into it and... Even though you don't like art, try try to make your art better than everyone in your class. And so that kind of stuck with me, whatever. <laughs> Hamburger Helper Night came around, and I just go, I feel like you're not using your creativity. <laughs> and she kind of got a little offended and kind of laughed, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I explained to her that I like homemade fried chicken fingers. It was more, probably more along the lines of how a nine-year-old would talk than how I'm talking now. But that was the gist of it. I remember flipping it around on her. And I think she was a little surprised, a little impressed. But we never, ever, ever ate hamburger helper again. I'll tell you what, though. I've talked to all my cousins, and they pretty much share the same sentiments. Like Because my grandmother came from a family who, they were all good cooks. She taught all of her daughters, which is my mom and my aunts, how to cook. And they've all taught us how to cook. So cooking's always been a big part of our our family get-togethers. I've had some cousins who share the same sentiments with me about growing up and going over to spend the night at your friend's house or going over to your significant other's house and eating meals for them and just being terrible. And, of course, you know, we're all nice about it. No one complains. No one says anything. But when we get together, we always would share stories about, oh man, this was so bad. And I remember I had a friend in high school. I'm not going to go into details on who it was, but his parents would would make the steak that we called water steak. And all I remember was like an electric skillet and like this huge, like round sirloin boiling in water and this electric skillet. And they were like, okay, dinner's ready. It would be like mashed potatoes out of a package. And it was so t- tough. I mean, I remember being starving, so hungry. And I called my mom. I was like, hey, can I eat dinner over here? She's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And oh, man, I was so depressed. I was so <laughs> depressed. It's like when you 
go to a restaurant for the first time and you order something and you get it and you're like, oh man, that was a bad decision. I don't know. Maybe it's me. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one that thinks that in depth about food. Who knows? I've been thinking about how I could sum up the way that I would like a government to operate as simply as possible. And I don't know. I haven't really thought this through. I think I'm going to stand behind it, but I'm not sure yet. But basically, the only things, well, I'm not going to say that. Something that I think should be very important to us is that when we're discussing in a government, on top of like the infrastructure and the international safety and enforcing laws, don't want much from a federal government. And I think it kind of boils down to a simple question and a statement. I think we should be able to say, what do you want to do in your life or with your life? And so there's going to be an answer. Everyone's answer is different. I want to go to the moon. I want to be a veterinarian. I want to be a stock market investor. I want to, who knows? I want to just coach track teams. I, I mean, everyone's answer is different, right? What do you want to do in your life? And then I feel like the next part to that equation is the less obstructions, the better. And, and I know that you're, there's probably people out there going, well, you have to have regulations. Otherwise, the whole world will go to hell. Yes, I know. But the fewer, the better. Every time you implement a new rule or regulation or policy, you're necessarily taking away freedoms from something else. I've talked about this numerous times. I'm not going to go into a lot of the details. But I don't want the government involved in banking. I don't want them involved in the selling and buying of cars. I don't want them telling me who I can pay to, to ride in their car with them. You know, I don't want the, the government telling me that, nope, you cannot ride with Uber unless they pass a background check. Even if it's your money and you don't care what happens to yourself, no, you can't do it. To me, that's preposterous. You know what else I'd be okay with? Is not really having much regulation in, like, dentistry. I know, I know. It sounds crazy. Well, what if a, the dentist put you under and put his weenie in your mouth? Well, okay, but it's not going to happen very often. And when it does happen, the guy's going to get caught. And no one's going to go to them. They're going to go out of business. And the guys who want to put weenies in mouths aren't going to go be dentists because it won't last long. They're going to go do something else. I mean, should we have to have a license to cut hair? Does that require a license? I'm not degrading people who cut hair. I'm just saying that it should not require a license. You know, really, they call it a license. Really, it's just a way to track them. It's a way to keep track of how many there are. It's a way for the government to generate money. It's a way to pump money into the economy by producing schools. And people are foolish if they think that these licenses and these regulatory bodies came around only for the consumer protection, because that is not the case. These things called lobbyists get in there, and they push for things in order to benefit industry. And if you don't believe me, I don't even know what to tell you. My whole point is that I'm a fan of less regulation. Less regulation, more freedom. There's a bell curve. You got to stay within that bell curve. But for me, I think it's best when people can make the most decisions without interference that benefit their lives. It doesn't matter. If I go to a non-licensed cosmetologist, what's the worst that can happen? I get a bad haircut. She doesn't know how to clean her scissors properly and I get sliced open and get AIDS and die. How often is that going to happen? Remember that bell curve? So it kind of leads me into my next point. And... As we approach the election, 
there were a lot of people saying, turn Texas blue, turn Texas blue. For those of you who don't really know, blue means Democrat, red is Republican, the, the synonymous colors with the, with the political parties. Texas is by far and large a Republican state. It was Democrat a long time ago, but Democrats have since changed. The, the Democrats that made up Texas are now considered Republicans. These are hardworking guys that wear coveralls to work with their name on their shirt or their mechanics or their welders or their factory workers. These aren't Starbucks guys. These aren't guys that work at Bed Bath & Beyond. So that's the new Republican. So Texas is now a very, very red state. You have a portion of immigrants and people concentrated in the, the major cities that kind of get it close to, to being blue. I think it was like 48 51 or something like that, 49, 51, 46. I don't know. It was, it was, it's getting a little bit closer each year, largely due to the influx of minorities. But re- what really bothers me is that why, why would you choose to change the direction of a particular state when you can just go to a different state, right? If you like regulation and you like taxes and you like to, you know, everything is beautiful and pristine, but you still got to pay a bunch of money in taxes. If you like that, why would you not just go to a place that is already like that? Like, why would you go through the trouble of changing something when you could just go somewhere else and experience it? Because the things that make states different is their policy and their regulations. And all of that filters out or filters into rather industry. For instance, Texas. It is hard to mess with the Texas economy, even with the oil field down. We have so much going on. We have so much commerce. It's really tough. A lot of people say that Texas has a bulletproof economy because there's so many large portions of it. And this is not because we have a lot of regulation. It's actually the opposite. So by people wanting to forcibly or, or, or perform a coup, overthrow Texas and turn it blue, my question is why? Why would you not just move to California or New York or Oregon or somewhere where you can go be blue in your own blue state? I think you're going to see a big shift. I think the Republican Party and the Libertarians are going to scoop up all the Latinos because the Latino values align with the Republican values. The only thing that they can say, they're racist. The Republicans are racist. They don't like minorities. and They're all racist and racist. And the poor Mexican immigrants believe them because they've been told that they need to vote Democrat by the generations that came before them. But I think people are starting to see it. Trump picked up a lot of the votes in Texas. Even though the counties didn't turn colors, they still stayed proportionately blue. There was a smaller margin there. And that's exciting to me because the last thing I want is for Texas to turn blue. I'm telling you, if Texas turns blue and a bunch of liberals get in here and start making liberal policy, I'm out. I'll go find, I'll go to Tennessee. That's exactly where I'll go. I'm happy to admit that blue works best for some people and red works best for other people. I, I am not an idiot. I totally understand that. I can understand why people would like a liberal political environment. I also would expect them to admit that they can understand that other people would like a Republican or libertarian-minded government. And so if we can all agree on that, why don't we agree to settle in at the places where we like it most? And I also agree people that think it's, it's better in different countries. Yeah, pe- people who think it's better in Norway, hey, guess what? Go move to Norway. Let me know how it works out. I thought, I thought there was countries out there better. You know, I was fed up with the way things were going in the U.S. I was tired of it. I was exhausted. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to move down to Nicaragua. I'd been doing business down there for five or six years. I thought I knew what was up. I was going to go down there, 
grow my sailboat business, and just turn it on. It's the Wild West down there. You can just do whatever. There's no regulations. That's not true. There's tons of corruption. And so you don't just waltz in there and conduct business. And that's the same way it is with all of these other countries that, that people think are better. Oh, well, yeah, you can just um, not work and get all this money. Okay, but if you want to work, if you are interested in being an entrepreneur, the opportunity is not there. And that is just a fact. Because as you go up vertically, you cannot build a floor to support people without building a ceiling to limit people. And I just thought of that all by my own self on the fly. But it makes sense. And I've been thinking like long and hard on how to, how to paint the, the picture of this with just words. So I'm going to give it my best. And what I'm going to do is describe uh, basically like what socialism is like or social policy as an analogy. Okay. So let's just say we're building a building and this building has four sides and we need to put brick on all four sides of the building. And so in order to do this, we go out and get four brick lane crews and we'll just call them crews A, B, C, and D. Each crew gets paid independently based on how fast they lay their bricks. And let's just say a period of time goes by. Group A and B are doing really well. They're, they've, they've gone past the height of C and D. Well, C and D are like, man, we need to catch up with them. We need, we need to do something. What can we do? And then the big boss comes around. He, he, takes them, he takes the brick off of A and B's pile, and he puts it on C and D's pile to try to level it out so maybe we can all get finished at the same time. Well, now A and B, they're thinking, dude, why would you take my bricks and give it to those guys? We're working faster. We have better equipment. And he goes, well, that's the thing. That's why I took it from them. You guys have better equipment, and they have equipment that's not as good, and it's just not fair for them to go slower. And the foreman's like, but we spent more money on our equipment so that we could go faster, so we could brick higher, so we could get on the next job. I mean, it's not really our fault that their equipment isn't as good as ours. They had every opportunity to buy the same equipment. And so as time goes on, groups A and B, they think, well, wait a minute. Why would we go out and why would we buy more equipment and spend more money to go faster when they're just going to come take it from us and give it to those other guys? So eventually, they just slow down. They don't buy the equipment. They don't brick as high as fast. And everyone's the same. So you can see how in order to help some, you necessarily have to take away from others. You have to take it from somewhere. It has to come from something. Those bricks got to come from somewhere. And so you might be thinking, well, that's fine. What if we all have all four bricklayers can go at the same pace, they can all finish at the same time, and everyone can make the same amount of money? Yep, that's an option. But the trade-off of that, the downfall, is that now we will never lead the world in bricklaying. We won't be the fastest. We won't be the most accurate. Because why would we? Why should we? Why should we invest in being the best when it just gets taken away? And that's no different than pharmaceuticals or any type of industry that the government wants to socialize or, or have socially leaning policy. Let's talk about pharmaceuticals. Why would, I don't know the names of any, Pfizer, why would they try to create the most innovative and efficient and best priced drugs that they can if they knew there was going to be a maximum of how much they could sell it for. And so I think this is what people fail to see about socialized medicine is that you can do it. You can make equality for everyone. But what you give up is the breakthrough innovation, the technology, the advancements. Those all happen at a lot slower pace. This is why people come here 
from all over the world for our medical system. We have the best of everything. It is not the cheapest. But tell me somewhere else in the world, some other market, some other example, that something is the best and the cheapest. That's right. It doesn't exist. You know what else doesn't exist? Hardly in Corpus right now? COVID. 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 You know, it's kind of funny. It hadn't even been the news lately. It's been so heavy election. We've all forgotten about COVID. In New Oasis County, which is where I be staying, we are down to 50 cases per day. That is amongst a population of 400,000 people. If that's not contained, I don't know what is. Can we please, please start toying with the with the prevention measures? Can we start seeing what happens if we take the mask away? Can we just try? Or are we just going to just keep in this holding pattern? The, the, the idea that we're not trying anything to make our lives better, that we're not looking for the opportunity to lift some restrictions... It's just got me baffled beyond belief. How can you how can you advocate for the mask and the social distancing and not even know the statistics of where you are? I mean, what if it was zero? What if it was zero spread, zero case spread? And people may say, well, that's because we wear the mask. Okay, why don't we see what would happen if we take off the masks? Maybe it goes to five. Maybe it goes to two. If it went to two, hey, that's fine. That's good enough. If you went to three, that's good enough. Maybe 54 is good enough. Everyone wants to return to normal. No, I take that back. There's a lot of people out there who don't want to return to normal. And I feel like those are the people that aren't asking the questions because they're so satisfied wearing the mask. And they're forgetting about guys like me who hate them. absolutely hate them. Show me some evidence that it kills old people. I won't hate them. There's no evidence. There's no correlation between mask and mask laws and cases and deaths. None. There's none. Zero. There's not any. They do not exist. I know so many people who just wear them and and they hate them and they think they're dumb, but they still wear them. So there's going to come a point in time where we are going to have to just all agree. It's going to be slowly. First, it's going to be guys like me who've had enough right now. And as time goes on, fewer and fewer people will, will wear them. But let's just start, let's just start, let's just see what happens, please, please. I talked to someone in Oregon last week, said everything is still locked down, bars are still closed. I talked to my friend in Cambodia, never been outside of Cambodia. I think maybe he's gone to Vietnam. Other than that, he's never been outside Cambodia. He was messaging me, hey, what's going on with COVID? How are you guys doing? And I kind of filled him in. And I said, how about you guys? He goes, oh, yeah, no, we have to work. Like, the government would not stop the people from working. They would not stop businesses from opening. There's no government intervention. There's no assistance. There's no money. Things go on as usual. And I think he said that their country is like 300 deaths. I haven't verified it. And he, he could have gotten mixed up a little bit. His English isn't perfect. Either he's got 300 cases or 300 deaths, I think, in the country. But, <laughs> I mean, hey, if they were piling up body bags, we'd be hearing about it on the news. Fact of the matter is, they're getting by just fine. I will refuse to go back into lockdown mode or a smaller percentage capacity mode uh, without something in writing saying I'll be compensated. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to put my business on the line on something that I do not believe in. I'm sorry. I hope that if you felt the same, you would do the same. Because what's going to kill all these businesses is guys just saying, well, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to argue about it. I didn't want to fight. I mean, what are you going to fight for? What, if you're not going to fight for your business, then what are you going to fight for? I'll tell you what I'm going to fight for. I got some Korean 
short ribs marinating right now that I'm thinking to go put on the big green egg. I really am kind of sick of politics. I really am. I need some new topics. Why don't you guys, all three of my listeners, email me, text me if you know my phone number. Give me some topics. Tell me something you want me to go research, and I'll come back and do a book report. You know, otherwise, you're limited (laughs) to what happens in my life and what I read about, which is politics and beer. So, I don't know. I'd love some feedback. If you've never done a podcast before, then you don't know what it's like to run out of topics, and then you're forced to just say what you think. So... I'd love to hear some input from you guys. I don't know how many people actually hear this. Uh, my email address is brandon at newasisbrewing.com. That's N-U-E-C-E-S brewing.com. I'm not going to put my phone number out on here, but if you have it, you know how to use it. Text me. What do you want to hear about? I appreciate you tuning in. Life in Paradise podcast. Really not living in paradise anymore, but maybe going back there soon. I don't know. I don't know. We'll just have to see. How things go. I do think that the world is a little bit better off for having had the chance to learn how to imitate Trump. And with that, I will sign off. Thanks so much for listening. Life in Paradise podcast. Go out there. Be cool to people. Don't try to turn Texas blue. Befriend your enemies and keep it tranquilo. The sun will come up tomorrow.